The Journey of Stars by Damien Rennie. The Floating Puppet Year 39,993 Styles took a deep breath as if preparing for underwater submersion. Then he stopped drumming. He watched as 100,000 drums played on together. All the tribes of Australia encircled Uluru, the sacred stone of all the people. A culmination of 40,000 years had resulted in this meeting. The multitudes of people stood in rows around the giant pebble playing their music, sound blasting down the long side of the lozinge-shaped pebble that was six miles around. While the loom boom of the drum induced a natural state amongst the people, he surveyed the crowd for his father, Pinpin, amongst the thousands. His vision was hazy. The air burned from song. As beautiful as it was, it had become extremely dangerous. His father had left his post. His voice was needed to complete the raising. Realizing his father was nowhere to be seen, he decided to retreat a safe distance away from the pebble to a hill. As everyone else played and hummed, Styles stepped back through the rows of people in search of his father. The first man he stepped past was dressed as a kangaroo. The sweat and fear on this man's face spoke volumes, far higher than the drums. He looked at Styles and continued banging on his instrument, singing along with the blink the man convinced Styles to turn around and look forward, as he did. He could hardly believe his eyes. The giant pebble that represented the wholeness of all his people seemed to be grown taller like a tree. Ignoring the scornful eyes of the man, worryingly, Styles took more steps back. Undeterred by the madness, he turned and began to run, running beyond the rows of drummers away from the pebble. All the faces gazed at him, and on he ran. Finding his father was more important now. If his father did not return, there would be unbearable repercussions. It was then that he saw his father, Pinpin, running in the distance towards another man. It must have been a quarter of a mile beyond the last row of drummers. 
Where is he going? He thought to himself. Feeling weird. As he was the only person not playing an instrument. He ran towards his father. On he pushed through the waves of human barriers. Who for the most part stared beyond him to the sky. The last two people who stood like gates clocked him. Undeterred, he ran on before they could stop him. Able to focus on the face of the man that his father had risked the life of a hundred thousand people for, he saw the face of the human, dressed in clothes unlike any other. The man had skin the color of cheese and with eyes squinting in the afternoon light. His hands held Pimpin's drum, easy to recognize with his barrel of seven colors. His father began waving his hands around and pointing. They were communicating. Pimpin was not happy at all. The human backed away holding Pimpin's drum and Pimpin pointed backwards towards Styles. As he did, the man froze stiff, dropping the instrument. Pimpin shook his head and turned, leaving the man and walking towards a cave in the distance. The human looked amazed. Styles turned to see what he was looking at. His jaw dropped just as the base of Uluru rose above the height of everyone's head and kept rising. The air was filled with heat and the vibration of sound. The very electricity that flowed throughout the afros of a hundred thousand people. The intense mass of the bedrock was unparalleled, unequaled unrivaled. One by one, rows of drums began to beat together, the wave culminating in a choir of humming. 990,998 afros glowed purple. Styles froze. Unable to move, he just stared. Uluru was floating in the air to the sound of music. The world's largest pebble is just floating there. Now, with it floating, the other half of a royal symphony could just be seen far away on what had been the other side of Uluru. Someone yelled in elation. Others followed, and soon the ground roared once more as innumerable arms tilted boomerangs up to the sky. Like a mass flock of electric eagles, the boomerangs fibrillated themselves in the floating shadow of Uluru. The wood and silver hurricane took on a uniformed form of a rainbow snake 
the great spirit of the people. Atop Uluru, the crowd screamed and applauded, watching from the edges. Those on the ground yelled back in victory over the dream time as all the boomerangs fell to the ground. Mankind was about to upgrade. Free falling to a halt, the drums receded till only the wind could be heard. Then the noise of the bass dropped and 100,000 wind instruments rang out from the far side of where Uluru used to sit. Uluru had risen so high into the sky that the sun was partially blocked from view. The people atop Uluru, unheard, begged for help. Pimpin was predestined to lead the Royal Symphony. The chosen 32 flute crew of the Peruvian School of Music waited. Smiles crept on the faces of the people. The shadow of Uluru hovered over the crowds on the ground, which only Styles had noticed. Proudly, they all began to descend into the large sapphire city that until now had been hidden from view. The first people to enter the city were those waiting for Uluru to rise, entering from the south. Rays of light agitated the ground under Uluru. Sunlit solar stores fired up in large purple crystals as big as trees beamed through a maze. An enormous stone bath in the center of the city reflected into the sky. The overall pattern, a kaleidoscope, projected onto the base of Uluru, a vast contorted rainbow of indigo and purple hues, mightily resembling a winged serpent. Many cried and chanted, Hawa Uluru. As the pebble floated effortlessly in the sky for all the people to see, they danced towards the city on the ground, row by row, entering their new home, and for a moment all seemed well. Styles looked back for Pimpin and the human. Yet again, his attention returned to Uluru in the people. Uluru began to move in dangerous ways, swaying this way and that. Style's stomach began to make strange noises. Then he tensed up. He knew it was too late now. Too late to help. He could only hope the giant pebble was a slave to the music and would obey the people. Still, he managed to get his father back among the people. 
he backed away until he was at his father's drum. He tried carrying it, but it was too heavy. He tried banging on it, but his arms were not strong enough, and his hands not skilled enough to hit the right note. Yet, he banged on it with all his might. People turned to look, and soon people began talking, realizing whose drum it was. Some people spread word that a member of the group was not where they were supposed to be. As he tried to play along with all of his kinfolk, he turned his head in the direction of Pimpin. He could barely make him out. The drumming seemed to make no difference from where he was standing. People screamed out as he dropped the drum and ran towards Pimpin. He had made it on to a large hill when he stopped. Someone was screaming and in the moment, only for that moment, when the music went quiet, a woman's voice cried out, Styles. He turned to see the inner circle had all descended the large city of stone that had previously been covered by Uluru. A woman now made it out of the last row of drummers. Then the music came back again in full swing. The woman was his mother, but it was too late. The floating colossus of a pebble that shadowed them began to dip. Dipping thousands of people like a speck of dust in mud thousands of his people. Horror rang out and the music turned into a symphony of tragedy. Most that fell from the edge fell straight away to the ground. There were some that slowed their descent and span and then there was one that hovered with some unseen force far from the spillage in the sky. For a mere seven seconds, the single body hovered above the Kalkatuagin nation. Then surely, as that single body saw their loved ones fall to a certain ending, it decided that it would join them. It fell like all the others. That's when the music stopped. People ran back and forth as the giant pebble that is as large as a city began its 600 meter freefall. Like ants under the shadow of the pebble, thousands of people who had not yet entered the many entrances into the ground scrambled about. Chaos ensued. Styles cringed as he turned his back on the impeding event. 
he started to run again and ran as fast as he could. He turned around to see the face of his mother, tribe, and friends, no doubt, looking for Pinpin and himself. Uluru's descent from the sky was almost complete. All the singing had gone from a synchronized choir to a mass of screaming and screeching voices. Not all the people would make it into the interior of Uluru's protection. The rock came down to a crashing halt, landing exactly in its original place as the boom echoed out. All he could think of was the madness of Pimpin, which had doubtless caused the death of countless loved ones. In rage and anger, he pursued Pimpin and the stranger, the two careless deserters. He traced the footprints of Pimpin and some flat-footed human until eventually he arrived at his village which was empty. Seeing his father's boomerang in the murky outline of someone, he continued until he arrived at the cave where all strangers came from. Then he awoke. He was on top of Uluru. <laughs>